0: Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I'm joined today by Tom Pyre, the editor-in-chief of Ahoy Comics and writer of series coming out right now like Penalty Man and Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, The Wrong Earth. Tom, thanks so much for joining today. I'm excited to talk to you about these books. Uh, Before we dig in, how are you doing and how are you feeling about uh, being the editor-in-chief of Ahoy Comics? How's
1: that going for you? i'm doing fine and it's and i like my job quite a lot it's a sort yeah. of culmination of my whole career really i have more i'm doing more of my own stuff more stuff i thought up myself and um and i'm uh you know, editing the line basically editing most of the line
0: yeah so- is it a challenge for you to edit, you know, an entire publishing line and, you know, basically be writing your own books? Because you're you're writing a significant amount of books for Ahoy as well. Um, or is that something you welcome? Like you said, like, is that kind of always something you always wanted?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I didn't edit for like a long time after I left DC Vertigo. Mm. I didn't edit again until we started Ahoy in 2018. So... It was many, many years, so I'm not sick of it. <laughs> like yes, yeah. people are, but um, uh, and also I don't have, I don't. We have Sarah Litt, who's here as an editor, and she, um, she's she did uh, Billionaire Island and Ash and Thorn. She edited those and the upcoming Blacks, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Darren Bennett uh, has done some editing, and Stuart Moore, when he does a book, he edits his own book, so it's not all on me
0: gotcha gotcha cool now in your um ahoy comics works you're playing a lot with superhero history right in in penalty man and in dragonfly and dragonfly man i guess less so in uh the sniffer of Edgar alan poe there's less there's less superhero comics history there um but there's like particularly sorry what's that
1: there's comics history in pope and that's superhero comics history usually right
0: right absolutely um you're doing a lot of pastiche with with superman and batman in these these works that are ongoing uh, is this something that you kind of saw yourself settling into as, as kind of what, you know, people can expect about from your work from Ahoy? Because so Penalty Man, for people who don't know, um, and people should check out both these works, We'll include links in the show notes and all that fun stuff. Penalty Man is definitely, you know, it's a riff on Superman, right? It's it's your version of that uh, in a way, right? And then there's more to it. And then same with Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, where you have the Batman 66 version of sort of the ideals of that character sort of mirrored against literally mirrored against another world of the grim and gritty. And then there's crossover too with like the character behaving like the Punisher or like a more uh, a bloodthirsty kind of character than sometimes Batman is, is that kind of the, I don't know, sort of the brand that you were looking to carve out with your writing, or is that something that just, it's a part of you and it's a piece of you, but it's not like you don't want it to be your thing. How do you feel about that?
1: Right. Well, it's fair to it's fair to use the batman comparison obviously but really if you go back to um 1966 times and before the the way dragonfly man is and the way batman 66 was every superhero was that way they were all saluting the flag and helping old people across the street and yeah. helping the police and really sticking up for authority they were all that way and um And after a certain point, they all became like ultra violent vengeance seekers. So Uh (laughs) it's, it's not re Batman is a good touchstone and he's good to think about with this, but, um, but it's not, it's not really about Batman. It's kind of about all of them. Uh, But I think it is kind of second nature with me. I've read comics my whole life and I think about them and I think about the characters in certain ways and, Think about the tropes, and uh, I do find myself at, uh, maybe trying to maybe ask new questions about them, think about them slightly differently. I don't want to do like sure. it's not it's not like it's not like pretentious deconstruction, I hope, or anything. It's more like just what, what fun haven't we had yet?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting way to frame it. I, one thing I enjoy a lot about your approach, too, you know kind of the ongoing the wrong earth and the the dragonfly verse is the the 66 batman analog like when he appears in the grim and gritty earth omega it's not just played for slapstick i mean there's some of that like the you know the first issue of the wrong earth ends on a cliffhanger of exactly what you'd expect about him just not fathoming the the corruption of the cops in in these style universes right um but then he pretty quickly uses a very batman 66 Get out of jail free card, which is you know the the bat shark repellent, right? But but not literally that. Um, what was important to you in crafting these commentaries in on like the differences between eras? You know, like having having fun with the way. Like, what was important to you in sort of saying like, I've seen these vast histories of comics, and you know, kind of here's here's my perspective on it that you wanted to get across to people.
1: Well, I started thinking about how I mean, like I've been. I've been around for a long time and it's, it's, I was really thinking about how you can look at the same chest symbol, you know, the same lightning bolt or animal silhouette on the same character's chest over the decades. And in different decades, it has a complete, it stands for different values. Yeah. You know, it, it, the, the silver age one, it might've stood for like service and bravery and a certain like obeisance to authority. And, uh, and now it might stand for, like, bloody vengeance.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's the same symbol. It just mean, it, it means something different to you if you were 20 or 50, I guess. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of fascinating because you can't you can't throw the characters away because the characters are familiar and they are part of the landscape and they make money. So what you have to do is change them with the times.
0: Sure yeah that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. what has so you launched ahoy comics in 2018 Mm -hmm. um with your creative partners of course um and and dragon the wrong earth this dragonfly man story was one of if not the first books that came out Mm -hmm. um what has what has the reception been like or what has what has surprised you or even like what have you learned in the now coming up on four years of you know, in comics publishers terms, a very new publisher Mm -hmm. about sort of the reception to these books and about just to Ahoy as, as a publishing house?
1: Well, it's been a really slow build, but we're starting to encounter people who are like real Ahoy maniacs. And it's really gratifying to see that. And that's a little surprising because when you don't, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect people to become Ahoy maniacs, but but we see them on Twitter and we've seen them at shows when we are going to shows. And, uh, it's, it's, I was, I was surprised actually by just the welcome it got. There was, there was no like snarky response to anything we did. Nobody really came after us wanting to be tremendously critical or viewed us through a, you know, a lens of, uh, I don't know. We didn't seem to represent anything they wanted to snark about, and I found that surprising. (laughs) That's hard to
0: pull off these days, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you tried to pull it off, you would fail. We didn't try. Mm -hmm. It just seemed to be that way. Yeah. um, That was from the beginning. That was like a real shock. Where we had this, we like announced the company at uh, on the Hollywood Reporter. Our publicist David Hyde got us like our big opening story in the Hollywood Reporter and then we launched this internet presence and stuff and everybody was just really everybody who interacted with us or acknowledged us was really welcoming Mm -hmm. what's wrong with us
0: yeah yeah that's awesome I I wonder if I wonder if a lot of that has to do with and and definitely as the as you've been putting out books there's a there's a self deprecation that you have like in letters you know just like you notice like there's a You're often having fun at your own expense. Um, I think I'm guessing I'm not totally talking out of school when I say like there's that kind of that Stan Lee influence of like welcoming and just like, I don't know, just that that cordial, earnest sort of like you're a part of this, but I can make fun of myself, too. I I think people find that especially charming in in an era where, you know, there's so much cynicism about everything. I, I think that is part of a hoist term at least that's what I find I suppose I don't
1: I haven't heard anyone articulate that and we do what you're describing is exactly what I go for when I write those text pages and mm-hmm. I just want to I remember just being a kid when Stan was running Marvel and it was like you know he was like our pal you know? Yeah. yeah like yeah nobody the other companies weren't like that it was like the other companies you you like the other companies but they would be very formal in their in their interaction with the readers when there was any so uh thanks thanks for seeing that that way because uh and humor is like it's the one like it's just the at this very center of what we do our books aren't all comedies by any means but they all have to have a sense of humor and i think that's what that's where we really try to set ourselves apart
0: yeah yeah, no, I think that definitely stands out. What What's the hardest part of sort of driving uh, a line of comics in 2021? Like what what is the most challenging thing for you as editor-in-chief um, in in the current comics landscape?
1: What's really the business and that's really challenging? And we have good people in here who know a lot more about that than I do. I'm really the last person you'd want running a business. But It is. it's hard there's a lot to it there's a lot to it that you don't anticipate when you're just coming in cold like if we'd known how hard it was going to be we might not have done this (laughs) grateful for the amount of ignorance we had coming in (laughs) it was like ignorance saved the day It, it got us to do it this this incredibly stupid thing that's so complex and we knew so little about yeah um but probably the hardest thing for the last year uh, with the pandemic, it's just it it makes it very hard to predict the future and what things are going to be like four, six, eight months out, okay. and uh, that's that's starting to feel better now. But it was really hard to make decisions all through 2020 because we sure. didn't know. I mean, our store is even going to be open in October. We just didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, because we knew more surges would be coming and how much of an effect would they have. So. That was really difficult, so there there were, at this moment, we would probably have more, a greater number of books out, or a greater number of books out for this summer, but we just couldn't commit to decisions, not knowing what the world was going to be.
0: Sure, sure, but, right. Getting to
1: where we'll, we'll be building up again, but it might look a little thin over the summer
0: gotcha gotcha no that makes sense i mean yeah 2020 just throws all planning and all metrics like <laughs> you just got to throw them out and kind of which is challenging i work in marketing by day no, and anytime no. typically we would do like year-over-year projections and things like that and it's like it's like why are we bothering <laughs> like like yeah, the world yeah. is totally different
1: yeah it's just like we just <laughs> yeah we have to go through the motions so we don't forget how to do it i guess mm-hmm. but it's like i also have to say i have to single out our publisher Hart seal because he never gave a pencils down order, whatever was being worked on when this all started, it all it was all completed and the people were all paid and um, and there was none of that. So That's good.
0: Yeah, that's good. Gotcha. Cool. So let's let's talk a little bit about Penalty Man, which is a five issue series that just wrapped up Um, as this podcast will be going live. That trade will be or should be available shortly so people can check that out. uh, The complete series uh, that you did with artist uh, Alan Robinson, which is a really enjoyable, uh, again, kind of a it's a riff on Superman. But, you know, obviously with a twist Um, with Superman, the inversion today is so often that it's like, what if Superman broke bad? right? It's like, we see it everywhere. Like it's in, injustice justice, it's in the boys on Amazon, right? It's these, these versions of the character where it's like, well, what if he was, what if he was angry and mad and mean and grim and gritty, right? And all that stuff here though, in penalty, or in penalty man and in penultimate, the character, we're looking at what if Superman had like, Absolutely no confidence, right? And was unbearably hard on himself mm-hmm. for not living up to the standards, the the unreasonable standards of his parents. Um, where did this project kind of begin for you, and why was this a concept you you wanted to sink into?
1: Well, I, I, the first thing that occurred to me was this one gag where um, he goes away for a couple of weeks and he leaves his robot duplicate in charge. Mm-hmm. He goes away and he comes back. Two weeks later and all of his long-term problems have been solved by the robot mm-hmm. like his archenemy has reformed and his secret identity has gotten a promotion at work and he comes back and he sees his android really is so great at being him uh how can he even face that how can he face himself after that so that was the first gag and from from that that just sort of uh suggested other, other avenues of self-loathing uh so it became this thing where he's got a good like early life traumatic reason to think very little of himself um even though he's great and um his android understudy sees this in him and decides to fix him so it's a it's basic it's it's as much of a two-hander as anything i ever wrote it's really can the can a can a sidekick fix a hero and can an android fix a human and can anybody fix anybody
0: yeah Anything right about that that's interesting yeah cuz it's definitely it's very as the book progresses it's very easy to connect to and relate to penalty man definitely myself like even it, it's kind of that thing of like if you have any kind of online presence or you know in my case I run a comic book website and and do a podcast and this and that and like i can get 99 really gracious, nice, positive comments, and then there's that one negative one, and it's like, That's
1: my day is <laughs> reacting. You, are, to that. are you kidding? We, yeah, Mark Wade and I used to go on using that in uh, like the mid 90s, and mm-hmm. it was the same experience. Your comic book comes out, and there's 80 raves, and there's one person who hates it, and that's all mm-hmm. you think about, yeah, the person who hates it. So um that's really funny that's really funny we used to talk about that endlessly
0: Mm -hmm. no it's 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 i think it's just for a lot of creative types like it's a it's a very human experience and for Penalty man it's just this thing of like he can never shake it and and one thing i found really interesting with the way the story plays out and i won't spoil anything too heavily um but there aren't like easy outs Mm -mm. there aren't like easy answers um and actually like by the time we do get to the conclusion it's very much it's, it's something i absolutely did not see coming um it, was it, I guess, what was important to you not to like take it too seriously? Cause it's a lighthearted story. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what was important to you f- to say kind of about like, you know, mental health and just like dealing with like being hard on yourself. Um, what, what kind of messages messages did you want to convey?
1: I don't, I don't, I don't know if I figured it out enough. to want to really convey certain messages except, you know, I guess one message is, uh, this is what this is what a person really feels like. Do you really want to be rough on this person? Mm-hmm. And um, mm. uh, it, I won't say, I'm glad you didn't see the ending coming. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. It ends in a way where they come up with a solution to his problem that kind of might have made you cringe. And, um, but it, the thing that it does have, and you know, it's probably a bad idea what they're doing and it probably won't work, but what it does have is it's the first time he has any level of acceptance
0: Hmm.
1: of the way things are Hmm. and uh, he's not kicking against it. He's giving something a try. And, and to that extent, I thought it was kind of a happy ending, even though that doesn't really come through.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's smiling, right? Like penalty, man. Like by the end of it, he's like, he seems happy but we and it is, smile. it is a weird twist because yeah. you, you, you like, you want to grant him that, but at the same time, the solution like makes you think like, you probably shouldn't be that happy about this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a bad idea,
0: but, yeah.
1: but maybe not. Uh, Maybe not. I see it as a finished story. I don't know if I'll ever go back to it, but there is. Yeah. I wondered There is this ambiguity at the end? Right. I'm right. not yeah. going go back to it, but I might not have to.
0: Sure. It's definitely, it definitely could stop here. And, and I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. Um, and sometimes it's good for, good for stories to have endings. I think we forget that sometimes <laughs> as fans of things, uh, with, with the wrong earth, did you anticipate that would be something you'd go back to uh, as quickly as you have and kind of to the degree that you have right away.
1: Yeah, I love those guys. And yeah, they're, there are endless ways to uh, kind of frustrate and humiliate them, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The fact that they're so different yet so the same sort of increases the variety of things you can throw at them, I think.
0: So now night and day is the, is the miniseries that's coming out currently. We actually had the fourth issue dropped, um, the day before, uh, we're recording here. And is that, uh, so is that another six issues? And then is there more planned beyond that? Or is it kind of a wait and see?
1: Yes. And yes, there cool. it is six issues and there is more planned.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, those characters are so fun. I definitely have been having a a blast with it. Actually got me to go and watch more clips of Batman 66, which I feel like is this cultural touchstone that definitely growing up and getting into comics. I did not, I did not have like the correct appreciation for in the sense that it was just sort of like, Oh, that's an old goofy thing that probably I don't need to pay attention to because Mm -hmm. it was, you know, the silly thing for another generation that I missed out on. Um, But what I'm realizing more and more is like it kind of, it's influence and just like the way, I don't know the way that voices and critics and creators talk about it, you know, like reverentially, um, and just the influence it's had on so many voices. It's like actually having a better understanding of that is having a better understanding of Batman and just kind of like the way
1: comics have permeated media. It was a critique of comic books and it was a hundred percent accurate. That is what they were like, except that they were more straight faced. The comic books were, but the assumptions they talk about, you know, the utterly helpless police, um, and the, uh, uh, I mean, Batman spends all his time really uh, to, to trying to keep millionaires from being robbed. I mean, yeah. that, to, me, to him, the greatest injustice is that a millionaire gets robbed. Yeah. So, uh, and that was uh, that's that's what the comic books were like. <laughs> you can't blame the the Batman TV show for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I love watching the show. I love watching the first season. It gets. It's a show that every season gets worse. Hmm. Uh, the first season is like this pinnacle of creativity. It's, it's, I would put it in the Louvre, you know, it's the best. Yeah. By season three, it's like community theater almost. Hmm.
0: Maybe a little too in on the joke. Everyone is at
1: that point, like a little, almost like, well, also that, I don't know, like they, they know it too much. I have no idea where the money went. I mean, you look at, you look at season three, season one. They were doing these setups of like action that looked like comic book covers and stuff. Season three, yeah. there's, every hideout is like black curtains. Every villain hideout is black curtains yeah. with picture frames hanging on wires. That's everybody's. <laughs> there's no money left, <laughs> and I have no idea why.
0: That is bizarre because it was so big, even in the moment. I mean, it was so immensely popular.
1: Right? It's not. It's not like
0: it was underappreciated in its time, or something. It wasn't.
1: It was. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. But when it, I'll tell you, when it fizzled, it fizzled. I mean, yeah. And it fizzled before they got to season three. But, uh, it was a. It was a fad. For sure. But he For was, sure, Yeah. It was. It was so huge, you know. He was on magazine covers, which was a huge thing then. We used to have things called magazines.
0: <laughs> so speaking of, so part of you know the Ahoy Comics principle was you know these these magazine style books where you have the comic up front and then you have written material in the back. I'm mm-hmm. curious, and by you know sometimes even without pictures, right? It's like a very novel concept to to readers like myself. Um, it, how how has that been going? I guess for all of you as a publisher, like how do you kind of judge or evaluate? Um, if people, if the bang for your buck kind of ethos of the the publisher is paying off i guess like what's your what's your kind of sense of that at this point in time
1: i think it is it's hard to i mean it, it's a hard thing to measure um we uh i just we love the idea that you could buy one comic book and it'll last you your whole lunch hour yeah and um i think more and more. People are catching on to that, maybe, but it's it's also it's also something we like doing. We like the fiction, we like the the occasional poem, and we have these little editorial meetings where we go through all the stories and and discuss them and give our reactions to them. And it's one of our favorite parts of the job. Sure, and and dealing with it's a it's an it's a great opportunity to work with more people, including artists. I mean, we can get people in to do one picture a lot easier than we can get to do a comic book and we can draw from a bigger field. A lot of people don't know how to draw comic books, but they can illustrate. Sure. Um, uh, Creatively, it's really satisfying. I don't know if it helps our bottom line or not, Um, but it's not, you know, if it were, if those pages were all comics, it would be all, it would be more expensive for us. So maybe it does help. Sure.
0: Yeah that's interesting. No, I I do I just find it increasingly interesting as especially with like newer publishers that try to enter the market today and it's like okay, how do you how do you succeed in comics? How do you make yourself stand out? I just find those cuz you see you see publishers enter with different approaches, right? And you see um someone like Vault Comics has come on, you know, pretty successfully recently and they're they're just kind of pure comics, right? It's just pure like okay, we're just going to do the highest quality we can do kind of thing. Um and then is something like a bad idea is this very strange and uh, different approach to like, okay, we're just, these are only in shops and there's kind of an exclusivity to it. And they're only in certain shops. Right. And then with the Hoy, it's like, okay, that's, we're going to have a comedic sensibility typically. Um, and then we're going to have all this extended backup material. And I'm just, I'm perpetually curious as a reader, like which of those, it, there's value in all of them, but it's kind of like, what is, cause I, I think everybody, you know, if there was a magic bullet, somebody would have figured it out and they'd be owning all the comic sales. Right. And exactly. um,
1: you know, that's exactly. Yeah, but, the, that's the, that's the point. No one knows yeah. have a hit or else they would have nothing but hits. Right. Right. For sure.
0: No, it's, it's interesting to see it play out. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying a lot of the Yoho books. I've definitely enjoyed your, uh, your work here as well as I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, Mark Russell. So I definitely followed him over to check out Second Coming and, uh, and of course, um, Billionaire Island. I actually got to talk to him on the podcast about that as well, which was fun. Uh, with second coming, since that had such like a a controversy to it with DC, I guess you know anything that is that is taking on you know the sacred religion of of individuals is going to get intense reactions. What what was that like for for your publisher and for your team to sort of bring that on board? Did that bring heat at all, or was it more sort of the semantics of figuring out okay, how do we? how do we free this from, you know, DC and kind of just get Mark on our side to, to release this?
1: Well, Mark and DC came to this really amicable agreement that they probably shouldn't work on this together because they would have both end up wanting different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so we really wanted it. We really wanted it. And, and they were kind of, uh, They were checking out a whole lot of different publishers, which they had a right to do, to see who they wanted. And we'd already worked with Mark on some things. And it just fit our sensibility so well. We were having like stomach aches over, will we get this? yeah. And uh, we were really happy when when they chose us. And uh, we're still happy. But uh, when it was going to be a DC comic, DC is a big company owned by a bigger company owned by a still bigger company. It got immediate attention from people who wanted attention for themselves. Yeah. We started this petition objecting to this comic book that they'd never read and no one had ever read. And it got something like a quarter of a million signatures, a half million sig- I don't even remember. And uh, so we thought we would get like a lot of pushback from somebody on this and it just never materialized particularly when uh it was actually published and people could read the story and see that it wasn't like what they were thinking it was going to be it wasn't going to be this like cheap mockery of religion right it was a really thoughtful book and it it showed uh a lot of respect i thought for religion probably more than i would have shown (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah (laughs) and um uh, we just started getting letters from religious people who liked the book. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first series, for some reason, we we ran these marathon letters columns, and it was all these mostly religious people responding to it very positively, but in all these different ways, and it was really interesting for me to read. Yeah, uh, and e- but and even that's evaporated. Like we don't get those letters anymore. But mm. but that the objection there was one, somebody tried to like duplicate the success of that first petition by, by doing one. And it, it got like a, it didn't get any quarter of a million signatures. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, but I was proud because my name was, I was one of the things they were objecting to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can check that off the list of, uh, of life goals. Yeah. (laughs) now is that is second coming the is that like the biggest book for you guys like has that been the hottest seller
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah okay that makes sense no i was definitely impressed and i probably talked about this when i reviewed him but i was definitely impressed with the yeah the thoughtfulness of of jesus in that book sort of of the way that he comes across as the most um the character you'd most want to imitate you know, the, the character you'd most want to emulate, I think in many ways. Um, and, and there's a lot of really good jokes in there as well that definitely, you know, which is his style certainly. Uh, but there's, there's a level of thought and care to it that I, I imagine the petitioners did
1: not anticipate, which is cool. No, they didn't. They didn't. Mark has a way of uh, thinking deeply about things and coming up with original, uh, thoughts about them, but putting, putting them in a story in a way that it goes down so easily. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's such deep thought in it and it's so easy to read at the same time. that yeah, that, uh, that's just a stunning combination.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely makes this stuff stand out. Um, so we have penalty man. People should check out. We have dragonfly and, uh, in dragonfly man, the various books, including, uh, the wrong earth night and day, which is coming out right now. Uh, before I ask you what's next, does Pen Ultimate exist in the Dragonfly Man universe? Are you crafting a shared universe of any sort in your head, at least?
1: No. No. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. Will it ever happen? I don't know, but there's there are no plans for that. I love, I used to love working for Marvel in DC because I was a kid reading their stuff and it was amazing to just grow up in and write a story with Superman or Spider-Man in it. And um, it was and the people were great, and there was a lot of great stuff about it. But the thing I didn't like was having to stop my story in the middle to accommodate some crossover.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, it seemed like you could never do the story, exactly the story you wanted, because there was always something more important. And that's yeah. something I've really... Well, first of all, you can't beat them in a shared universe. You don't want to beat them. You don't want to play their game, really. I mean, how could you win anything? But uh, I just, I like the idea of a place you can go and tell a story and nothing's going to screw it up. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Do you think uh, from your DC time, probably the series that I'm fondest of is Hourman? I really enjoy that, that, you know, late 90s into 2000s run. Is that the one where you felt like you kind of got to be yourself the most on a creator front because that's a character that, that, not a lot of people know about right like that's that was a new character at the time or a, a legacy version i guess of a you know of a golden age character um did you feel like you get, you kind of most got to do your own thing on that side or like what was i guess if not that what's the creator own work where you feel like that's like that's the one i got to put my stamp on
1: well that was it but it's not because it was the first time i got permission i thought it, i felt like it was the first time i knew how to do it or even a pro mm. um that was one of the best experiences i ever had And I I did feel like I was writing from myself and I was writing stories that no one else would write because they weren't me. Yeah. But, and it was the first time, but I really think it's not because any people have been telling me not to do that. I just, I just, you have to write a lot before you can get there, I think, or at least I did. Yeah.
0: Sure. That makes sense. Interesting. Uh, So what's, what's next from you and, and what's next from Ahoy.
1: We're doing, um, we have a couple great books coming out. I know they're great. One is, one, I can't wait. I can't wait until people see it. It's called Snelson, Comedy is Dying. And it's by um, Paul Constant, who did our book, Planet of the Nerds. He created that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the artist is Fred Harper, who, Wait do you see how great he is? And it's about eight stand-up comic who was young and edgy in the 90s and almost got famous got really close but didn't and uh it's like 25 years later and he's still the same kind of edgy and he's still wearing the same clothes and um it's just sad because the material isn't going over it like it did in 1998 mm-hmm. and uh so he's got he try he sort of like struggles to find ways to ways to break through today and or just to survive today as a comic and he, there's even a flirtation with the alt right hmm. um, it's just a magnificent book and I can't wait till you see it and we've got uh, uh, Eric Palicki and Wendell Cavalcanti doing this book called Blacks Myth uh m-y-t-h and it's about a punk rock private detective who's a werewolf
0: <laughs> okay uh,
1: it's really good <laughs> yeah it sounds fun yeah. yeah yeah and i'm working on a couple of writing projects that i can't talk about yet but they're kind of in they're strangely in line with the kind of things you were talking about today you know? I just sure. all I can do is obsessive at these familiar things that I grew up with. and yeah, and uh, it's like sad, really, when you think about it.
0: you spend so much time with them. It's just uh, it's a dominant well, and it's just they're so massive in the culture right now, too, you know, just like the their pervasive influence on everything. it's it's a it's a time for it
1: and it, and if you if you if you think of an approach that you really feels like no one has done it. And it's interesting on its own terms, even apart from that. That's just mm-hmm. a good feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I can see that. All right, cool. Tom, uh, this has been a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, again, I recommend people check out Penalty Man and, uh, and, of course, all the Wrong Earth stuff, which we'll link here in the show notes. Otherwise, Tom, uh, where should people find you uh, or, or, you know, find more from Ahoy?
1: Well, we have a website, comicsahoy.com. Um, on Twitter, Uh, The company is at Ahoy Comic Mags for magazines. And I'm at Tom Pyre.
0: Easy enough. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Dave Busing again. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. You can find me at comicbookherald pretty much anywhere online. And as always, enjoy the comics.